Hi, I'm Andy Psarianos. Hi, I'm Robin Potter. Hi, I'm Adam Gifford. This is the School of School Podcast. Are you a math teacher looking for CPD to strengthen your skills? Math No Problem has a variety of courses to suit your needs. From textbook implementation to the essentials of teaching math mastery, visit mathsnoproblem.com today to learn more. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the School of School podcast. Uh, I've got with me Robin and Andy. How are you guys today? Great. Yeah, yes. Fantastic. I was about to say this morning, then I had a sort of time zone meltdown. Uh, listeners, if you don't know, we are on opposite sides, well, not quite opposite sides of the world, but there's a decent chunk of land between us. Two thirds, two thirds. Is it two thirds? Yeah, we'll go for that. Nice. Two thirds both ways. Figure that one out. If long enough, far far enough away that days and nights don't quite sync. <laughs> That's a good math question, actually. What is, what, like, I'll, how I'm far jotting, are we? Jotting like, it down furiously. <laughs> well... There's only one number. You can only say half. That's the only one that would that would be true both ways, right? So that's true. You know, see, we can't even get through the introduction, and we've already thrown in a maths problem for <laughs> well, everybody. You know, it's, it's good. It's, it's just too much fun. All right, go on, Adam. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt with that silliness. Well, we've had a, a really small discussion about it, but we were talking about not knowing. Right, not knowing things. When's that a problem? When, when does that when does that cause massive problems? When 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 does it not? And and what's the what's the general attitude towards not knowing? Yeah. Okay. Well, listen. I think this is a fundamental question about what it takes to be successful or not in whatever you're trying to do. Right. And it doesn't even really just apply to mathematics. That's a big call. That's a big call, Andy. Yeah. Not knowing a lot of the time results in people kind of draws up anxiety and kind of like emotions that make them feel small or not insignificant, but kind of like insufficient, right? Like I'm not good enough. It conjures that up and there's shame involved and there's all kinds of things sometimes. Hmm. Other times, not knowing is the catalyst for the greatest things that a person might ever do. It's like, I don't know this. I got to find out. It's a mindset thing. If not knowing crushes you, if you allow it to crush you, it will destroy you eventually. It'll lead you down bad paths. But if you allow it to invigorate you, it can lead to amazing things. Okay, let me ask you a question. I'm trying to organize my thoughts. So I'm thinking this in a, in a learning context, right? Because I think just in life in general and, and in schools, there is going to be times, I'm sure, where some children, the not knowing part will make them will will generate a, a feeling of anxiety how much do we need to to uh engineer a situation where we feel anxious to know what to do with that anxiety do you know what i mean so we can feel that way and then go hang on this feeling's natural now go andy <laughs> yeah but uh, sorry i'm just like just simplify it really go down to release like you know not knowing Okay, just in, let, let's drop a scenario because a classroom and the teacher says, what's seven times eight? What are you going to do, right, if you don't know? Well, you're not going to put your hand up and you're not going to yell it out. Well, some kids will hide. Don't look at me. Hide behind the kid. You know, like they don't want the teacher to say, okay, Robin, what's seven times eight? 
That's the last thing that they want, right? Right. So in the classroom, you don't want to encourage that scenario, right? Because you're encouraging that response. Does, does that make sense? You're encouraging that response, that negative response of like singling somebody out and embarrassing them in front of all their peers and all that kind of, you're creating a tremendous amount of anxiety for that child, right? right. So, and that happens though. It happens all the yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. So, you're, so in that scenario, are you helping the kids that don't know it? Absolutely not. You're, hor- you're terrifying them. And are you helping the kids who know it? Not at all, because they already know it. So why are you even doing it? Yeah? So that's, that's kind of what I mean. So, but if you say, let's figure out what seven times eight is, that's a whole other thing. It's like, I don't know how, what seven times eight out is, but how can I figure out with the things that I know? Then you're encouraging a whole other mindset. It's like, Oh, well, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember what seven times eight is, but I remember what five times eight is, and I remember what two times eight is, and I can use that to work out what seven times eight is. You see, that's the thing, right? You, what you're really trying to do is build a sort of a mindset that like, yeah, you can't know everything, especially not in math. So what you want is you want to equip kids with that essence, that feeling that like, if I don't know something, it's an opportunity for me to learn something and to become better, right? It's not an opportunity for me to be shamed and, you know, embarrassed, right? You know, that's so, such a fundamental thing, right? And, and that was as simple as rewording the question that you've maybe completely changed that attitude of the students, right? They, you know, you've gone from putting them on the spot, what's seven, what's seven times eight to how do we find out what seven times eight equals you know suddenly the pressure's off it's not like oh we're not we're already we're not already supposed to know the answer we're supposed to figure out how to come up with the answer and that's different it's as simple as that which is something to keep in mind especially as a teacher right you know it's it's how you're presenting these ideas in the classroom so that people aren't anxious and stressed and you're you know you're not getting any response from them you're you're trying to you know have everyone involved and not afraid to answer exactly that that big question yeah but also understanding that not knowing could be the catalyst that sets you on the journey of your life right? right that kind of like it's time i i don't know this so now i'm gonna learn about this is the attitude you want to have right And then that, because that might be like, hey, I don't know anything about corporate law, you know, as the CEO of a company, maybe I should learn about this. Yeah. Like, and now it doesn't mean that I have to spend, I have to go to university and study it. But now I've been doing this job for more than, you know, like two decades. I know an awful lot about corporate law now. Right. You know, uh, because I have that curiosity. But if, if I didn't, I might've just crumbled and said, Ooh, I don't know anything about this. I don't want to know anything about this. That's, you know. That wouldn't have led me down the right path. That might have made some critical errors in my in my life. So it's just a mindset thing, right? All those things are opportunities to be better. I think the other part of it, without getting too sciencey, because I, I can't, but if children don't know and the reaction is one of kind of heightened anxiety, then it's just fight or flight, right? So a different part of the brain's being used. And that means that anything to do with problem solving, it's no surprise to me when children are faced with something and it's kind of like Robin, what, seven times eight? And you go, uh, uh, and then and then more pressure goes on. Well, come on, Robin, come, look, just, we did the, do you remember we did this yesterday and the day before? Do you remember? 
and, and your mum was telling about how you practiced. Do you remember? And you were just like, at this point, you're going, I'm either going to start swinging or I'm going to start running. Those are the only two options I've got. But then I might do something. And this is this is the part that I think needs to be understood. I say, all right, Robin's feeling a little bit at the moment. I've just put her in this state. I'll give her something really simple. I'll tell you what, Robin, you can do two times two. You still can't do it. And this is just like neuroscience right at that mm. point our brain is not functioning in the way that it should be we're not we're not thinking in that way and i think that that's where it's really important as educators we know this because at that point it almost needs to, to reset we need to become rebalanced and be back into a place that we can function function without it being just simply right i've got to do something because this is dangerous now i've got to get out of here i've got to do something and i think that, that that's really important that we understand that because if we don't, it just creates a situation that gets worse. The next time you get asked a question, you're thinking, I don't want to feel like that anymore. That sucked, right? And I didn't know that, and I just felt stupid in front of my mates. That really was awful. I think that that's, that's something else that, that sort of, you know, we know enough now about the physiology of the, of the brain and how the brain works to know to know those things. And, you know, you don't have to be too highbrow with it just to kind of, have that make sense because we've all probably felt like that at some point where it's just like don't know what to do here i've stopped functioning but i'm not thinking straight and we need to be mindful of that well it gets in the way right yeah it gets totally. in the way and i'm sure you know like and you can do that in professional development easily you can you know if you if you give everybody a, a problem that's too challenging for them right like a really difficult problem like everyone's going to shut down in the class right yeah if they have that mindset you know that sh that like oh no i don't want to be caught not knowing something, hmm, he's asking me this question. That means that I should know the answer, but I don't. Now I feel like a fool. Now I'm going to hide, or now's a good time to go to the loo or whatever it is, right? You know, that's going to be like it's your fight or flight response, yeah, right? Kicking in. But, that, but that's not the mindset you want people to have. You want to have, I don't know, but let's have a go. Let's see if we can work this out, right? That's the, and, and that's, that's what you got to do. So you, you got to present them with things that they don't know and then say, that's okay. Because what we're going to do now is we're going to work together and see if we can figure this one out. And sometimes we might not even succeed and that's okay. Cause we can try again tomorrow. We might come back to it in a month's time when we know more about this and, and give it another go. And that whole, that mindset becomes one of growth and one of development as opposed to one of like a downward spiral, right? So not knowing is, is, is maybe the most important catalyst to deal with in education. How do you respond when you don't know? One of the most lovely things I overheard, I was really fortunate. I don't know if I've said this before, but I, it, it kind of not just tickled me, but I, I found it really important. Um, I was fortunate enough to listen to a neurosurgeon from Older Hay Children's Hospital uh, for like a full day we spent okay. with him. Wow. And it was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And he was talking wow. about the frontal lobe and, you know, like problem solving. Um, I think Ben Hart talks about it saying a lot of that metacognitive functioning happens there. And he was saying that mm. one of our instincts that happens when we get not, not quite fight or flight stage, but where it's overloaded is, have you ever seen people and you put your head in your hands like this? If you can't see me, what I'm doing is that classic sort of forehead to hand. And And he said that's just like a really primal instinct when we're trying to think and we're working really hard on a problem or something like that. And it's like giving your frontal lobe a little caress. And I think that that's really lovely because it's like that visual cue 
if I don't know, I'm just about there, I'm just going to give him a frontal lobe a little moment, <laughs> and then I'll be right back with you. A little massage. Yeah. It's like, but, come on, frontal lobe, yeah, you can do it. Like, oh, man, it's just a bit much at the moment. We're with you, come on. Yeah, but, but I think, I, I don't know why it resonated so much with me, but I thought that's really powerful in, in teaching and learning because it's just something that says, I've reached that point, and it's not just about knowing or not knowing. It, it it's a it, it physiologically things happen and emotionally things happen and we've got to be allowed to to you know like you said Andy right at the very beginning experience something in a safe way so crashing the frontal lobe's fine fight or flight's not you know we shouldn't feel like I need to run away from a teacher or punch a teacher you know we should we should we should never be in that position where, where, where that's how we feel because that's not conducive to learning you know that's just way yeah, primal right. you know that, that that goes way back getting into a position where the frontal lobe needs a caress that, that's okay that's all right. We're yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, absolutely. class, everybody massage. Rub your head. Yeah. Just a little. <laughs> yeah, so, but it's like, you know, so so you got to create those environments. Like in the, and you can fix those things, you know. And, and the, the, the thing is, is that the younger you get the children into this habit, you know, the more long-lasting and the better it will be, right? If you, and naturally people are like this anyway, right? Like I, you don't see kids crying because they don't know what something is when they're four years old, right? But you see them maybe in <laughs> secondary school having a meltdown because they don't know something. That's something that we, what gets fired gets wired, right? That's like, you know, what the, if it's a repetitive pattern, every time you don't know something, you fall, you're thrown into this spiral of, of downward spiral then if the more times you experience that, the more hardwired that becomes as a response, right? But if, the, if you, as a teacher, and you work on the other response, which is, I don't know, that's great. We discovered something we don't know. Let's go figure it out. If that's a response, that might sound a little bit corny to some people, but it's like, no, you can build that environment in your classroom. Hey, we don't know how to do this. Okay, come on, class, let's put our heads together. Let's figure it out, right? Like if it's that, you know, okay, each table, you guys try to work it out now. Let's see if we can figure this out. You know, why does this work or why does this not work? You know, hey, that's, you know, that's a, that's a something that you're just going to stick with you. You know, if you, if you fire that enough times in your classroom, that you're serving, you know, those kids are going to, they're going to benefit from that. Yeah. I think. I think too, I think one of the things that, that uh, I think is quite powerful is think about what your success criteria is in your classrooms because children, at a, you know, most people want other people to, to think that they're okay you know like so children will do that the, the, the opportunities that children have to do that to, to, for their teacher to think that they're pretty good is based on your reaction to stuff so if you jump around the classroom because you're the fastest at getting the right answer that's the success criteria in the classroom right and all anyone will care about is I just want to be the fastest to the right answer because then Robin or Andy smiles and thinks that the, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. And I think, so be very mindful about the children wanting to please. They want to do right. If we set the right success criteria, like you said, Andy, I mean, I'm just rewording the same thing. But I think that that is really important, is what do you place success on or give the children an, an obvious vehicle for success? You know, make it a little bit more sophisticated than just right and wrong and the speed at which we, we answer because that, that sort of counts a lot of people out straight away. And like you said, we'll chip away at resilience, which, 
you only need to go into a reception classroom to look at the resilience. You know, the same child making the same towel that falls down 15 times, not a tear shed. Just looking at it and going, oh yeah, well, start again, here we go. You know, so not, not crumpling because someone said to them, you've got one shot to get this right and if it tips over, you're a failure. You know, like all of a sudden that's a drastic change, right? But, but I mean, that's saying it really bluntly. But if I, in that same classroom, turn around and go, oh, well done, Robin, you managed to make that towel without it falling over once, you are so good, Robin, you've effectively done the same thing. So be, you, you have to be very careful, I think, with, with the power that we have, particularly with, with children, that they want, they want their teachers to think that they're pretty special. And so they'll pick up on those success criteria real quick. And so it's, yeah. it's upon us to be sophisticated, empathetic, human enough to make that kind of work to our advantage, I think. Well said. Well said. Thanks, everyone.